I want to talk to you today from the subject, How to Cope with Guilt. This is the fifth installment in this series. We started off talking to you about how to cope with unbelief. Then the following Wednesday night, we moved to how to cope with rejection. Last Sunday, we talked to you about how to cope with being unloved. This past Wednesday, how to cope with suicidal tendencies. Today, I'm going to talk to you about how to cope with guilt from past deeds and guilt complexes. To do that, I invite you to turn with me to Romans chapter 8. I've supplied it for you in the Holman Christian Standard Bible, Romans chapter 8, verses 1 and 2, and then Romans chapter 8 and verse 1 from the Amplified Bible. It reads as follows from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, therefore, no condemnation now exists for those in Christ Jesus, because the Spirit's law of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. Now, I like to read it from Romans 8 and 1, the Amplified Version. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. Can I get you to read this one in concert with me? Romans 8, 1 from the Amplified Version, with strong voices all over the auditorium. Let's read. Therefore, there is now no condemnation, no guilty verdict, no punishment for those who are in Christ Jesus, who believe in him as personal Lord and Savior. Now, of course, as we are looking at this, um, using these verses as our umbrella to talk about guilt and how to cope with guilt, guilt, of course, comes from our past acts. Everyone in this room has a past. And everyone in this room has something in their past that they are ashamed of, embarrassed about. If you are an adult, there's something in your background that you don't want the rest of us to know. You're hoping that it never comes out. Sadly, there are too many people that live with this and they've allowed it to build up guilt inside of them. Now, you know at the outset, I'm a preacher. I'm not a psychologist, a psychiatrist. I'm not a therapist. I'm not your therapist. I'm a preacher. I'm a man of the word of God. And long before the psychiatrists and psychotherapists and psychologists opened their office as a profession, the word of God was already on the case when it comes to these matters. And whatever's in your past, you need to know today, don't just survive your mistakes, but thrive with the spirit of life. There are so many things that I hear people say that just aren't right. One of those things is time heals all wounds. Have you ever heard that? Well, that's not true. 
time is not a healer. It's never declared to be a healer. Time is time. And although in the passing of time, we can put distance between today and what happened yesterday, and although we may not feel as emotional about it as time goes on, that does not mean that we've been healed from it. God wants us to be healed, to go forward, to go higher, and not serve your weaknesses or your mistakes. Now, there are a few things I need to lay on the record before we get into analyzing this text. First of all, guilt is soulish and not spiritual. When you talk about guilt, it is a matter of the mind, the heart, and the will. It has to do with how I feel, how I think, and the limitations of my desires for myself. Now, guilt is not spiritual. There are people that would ask for prayer that they will feel better about something they've done wrong. I've known people that will say, well, could I get a feeling from God or can I get some kind of feeling to let me know that God has forgiven me? God is not in the feeling business. Although we may feel the anointing of the Lord present upon us from time to time, God is not in the, in the business of making me feel better. That's strictly up to me. My feelings are my business. Faith is God's business. And if God says you're forgiven, you're forgiven because he said so, not because you feel like it. You may feel saved or not saved. You may feel good about ministry if you're a preacher. Some Sundays I feel like preaching. Other Sundays I don't feel like preaching. I'm not preaching by feelings. I serve the Lord by faith. And if God says yes, it's yes. Let me try that again. I said if God says yes, it's yes. If God says I'm forgiven, I'm forgiven. If God says I'm free, well, if I could get more than five witnesses, I think I'll try that again. When God says yes, it's when God says I'm free, I'm when God says I'm forgiven, I am. But that's something that I have to understand to not let my soul dictate my spirit. It's the other way around. Well, some people say, well, I thought soul and spirit was the same thing. Well, that couldn't be so because the book of Hebrews says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, dividing soul and spirit like bone and marrow. So the spirit is the part of me that is of God. And my spirit man has no guilt. My spirit man does not live in guilt. Secondly, guilt destroys peace. Happiness, tranquility, and joy from your life. When you live in guilt, you cannot have those things. The origin of guilt is the Garden of Eden. And I want you to remember that everything roots in the book of Genesis. Everything begins in the Garden of Eden. Everything about your life and mine can be found in the Garden of Eden. And you remember in the Garden... Man sinned. The woman was deceived by the serpent. 
She shared the fruit with her husband and immediately guilt sets in. It said that he looked at her and she looked at him and they saw that they were naked and they were ashamed. Now they'd been seeing each other all that time and it didn't bother them. But it bothered them so badly that day until they took fig leaves and made aprons hiding from each other. Why would they need to hide from each other? When they had been there all along, they had been cohabitating all along, they had been in each other's presence naked the whole time. But when they disobeyed God, guilt set in. And they hid from each other. He looked at her. She looked at him. Embarrassment set in. But beyond embarrassment is shame. And shame is embarrassment with gray hair. Shame is the extreme end of embarrassment. And when he looked at her and she looked at him, he didn't look at her the way he used to look at her. And she didn't look at him the way she used to look at him. And they put on leaves hiding from each other. Then God comes. The Bible said the voice of the Lord comes walking in the garden in the cool of the evening, crying out, Adam, where are you? And he said, we're hiding over here. Because whenever there is guilt, there's going to be hiding. They committed willful disobedience. Now, there are two types of disobedience. There is ignorant disobedience when you don't know any better. You did it because you were uninformed. You didn't know that it was wrong. But then there is willful disobedience where you know that it's wrong and you do it anyway and just throw chance to the wind. Whatever happens may happen. They knew that they were wrong. She knew she was wrong when she touched the fruit. She knew she was wrong hanging around the tree. She knew she was wrong when she shared it with her husband. He knew that she was wrong. He knew that he was wrong. They both knew that they both were wrong. And they disobeyed anyway. And whenever there's disobedience, at some point there's going to be guilt. And not only did they hide from each other, but they hid from God. Now check this out. They put on the leaves to hide from each other. They got behind the trees to hide from God. Whenever there is guilt, you find people hiding out. That's why some people join large churches. Because they're hiding out. And many people who worked up front in smaller congregations and worked in the office and was a part of the ministry team and served in the priesthood on the platform, when they go, they go to a large church so they can hide up in the balcony. They have left some word behind them that they need to go back and get. How do I know that? Because of Cain and Abel. Everything is in the garden. Everything includes the first family. They had two boys to start off with. Everybody say Cain and Abel. Now the name Cain by definition means I have acquired, I have received, or I got. The name Abel by definition means zero or nothing. So they named the two boys I got nothing. Because after you willfully disobeyed God, you ain't got nothing. Although they started off with everything. 
their eating of the fruit, hiding from one another, has now resulted in them having nothing. Isn't it interesting that they didn't get pregnant and have children until after they had eaten from the tree? Now they bring into a sinful world two boys. And quite naturally, sin is ingrained in those children. And one kills the other one. Had those two boys been born before they ate from the tree, it is conceivable that Cain would have never killed Abel. But they were born after the eating of the fruit. And sin was in their DNA. I wish I had a witness. And wherever sin is, sin will act out in evil. I know many of you wonder and pray about the gang violence in this world. And you wonder what's going on with the conflict between men and the police and things that are happening in our environment. But let me tell you, whenever there is sin, there's going to be evil. Men will kill one another just for the sake of seeing blood ooze out of their bodies. And you remember Cain killed Abel, right? In Cain killing Abel, God came down to check on that. Now, he didn't let Adam check on that because Adam had never seen a dead body before. So he wouldn't have known what to do about it anyway. This is the first death on the face of the earth of a homo sapien. God comes down from heaven and said, well, I better go check on this myself. And he says to Cain, where's your brother Abel? What, his blood is crying to me from the ground. And he said, what have you done? And then he said something to Cain you must never forget in Genesis 3. He said, because you have done this, a vagabond shall you be. Meaning that you will go, and he described it, you will go from city to city and never find rest. You will go from place to place and you have to move on and move on and move on because of your guilt. And you know, that's the way people behave when they have guilt. They can't stay still very long. I wish I had a witness. Some of them can't keep a job, can't stay in a relationship, can't stay in a marriage. Let's just move on and move on and move on because God said because of that guilt inside of you, you'll never really be able to blend in like you should. And so he lost all he had. Well, what does guilt cause? It causes loneliness. Would you say loneliness? When you have guilt, you suffer from loneliness. It causes despair. Can you say despair? People who have guilt are often desperate. They do things, unbelievable things, to try to feel better. It can cause helplessness. You can't get anything right. You, you, you can't, can't hold on to anything. You, you can't get your credit right. Can't get the money right. Can't seem to raise your children right. Can't seem to keep the job. Just can't, just helpless. It causes fear of exposure. Some people have done awful things and they are afraid every day that they're going to be found out. Some have done things that ain't so bad, but they still don't want to be found out. They don't want their spouse to know what they've done. They don't want their close friends to know what they've done. They don't want their mama to know what they've done. And so they're afraid of being exposed. Then there's bitterness. Have you ever wondered what's wrong with that dude at work or that lady at work that they always so bitter? 
You ever wondered why your neighbor's so bitter, always got a bad attitude? You always wonder sometimes what's wrong with your attitude? Bitterness. Unworthiness. I feel unworthy. I, I can't get up in life. I don't think I deserve a promotion. I don't think I deserve a better position. I don't think I deserve anything. I don't, I don't think that I deserve to be a leader at the church. I don't, think, I don't think I deserve anything. And I'm always looking at myself and judging myself in the wrong way. Well, what are some of the effects of guilt? Resentment. Resentment. Resentment has to do with the fact that when I look at other people, I don't care that they are advancing in life. Matter of fact, I'd rather wish they dropped dead. Certainly wish they'd move on, get a job somewhere else. I resent them. Then there's unforgiveness. Can you say unforgiveness? See, the funny thing about unforgiveness is that if I am guilty, I find it hard to forgive others because I can't forgive myself. What did Jesus say? Help me with this. He said, love your neighbor as you love. Oh, I didn't get enough on that. As you love who? So if I don't love me, I can't love you. Is that right? Then if I can't forgive me, I can't forgive you. If there's something inside of me that I'm wrestling with, I'll find it difficult to ever forgive anybody. As a matter of fact, in the model prayer, Jesus said, when you pray, you say, give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us, huh? Our debts, our trespasses, as we forgive those who have debt or trespass against us. Unforgiveness is common in the life of a guilty person. If you wonder why some people hold grudges, hold grudges, hold grudges, can't let go, it's something inside of them. They have practiced unforgiveness on themselves. Therefore, it's easy for them to minister it to you. Let me try it again. Whatever you practice, you get better at it. The old folk used to say practice makes perfect. Well, the truth is, if you practice error or practice in wrong, you get better at doing wrong. You know, choir rehearsal is good if we're practicing the song right. But if we're practicing it wrong, we only get better at hitting the wrong notes. Have you ever thought you learned a song so well and you sing it every time it comes on the radio and then finally one day you saw the words and read it with your own eyes and you couldn't believe that that song was saying that? Because you had practiced that song so well singing it to yourself every time it came on the radio until you got gooder and gooder and gooder at singing the wrong words. Then when you found out what the words really were, you could never get that straight in your mind. And every time it came back on the radio, you knew the right words, but you kept singing the wrong words. I don't have a witness here. Well, let me bring it in church. I'll find somebody with this. When I was growing up in church, they used to sing Dr. Watt hymns. You know, where the deacon would give the first words to the hymn, and then you sing behind him. Anybody remember that? Well, they would always sing in the churches I grew up in, a charge to keep I have, but I thought they were saying Ray Charles. Because on the side of the track I grew up in, we never did talk about a charge unless it was charging something at the store. 
go down to Miss Smith Groceries and charge me some, some cheese and, and bologna. See, I got that. But at church, when they were saying, I thought they were calling Ray Charles. Now, I knew my father didn't like Ray Charles. Every time he'd come on TV, my father said, change the channel. Because he's taking church music and putting that kind of language to it. It ain't right. So I'm sitting up on the front row at church every Sunday wondering why in the church of Jesus Christ they're singing about Ray Charles. Only to find out later I had the wrong words. When you practice, whatever you practice, church, you get good at it. And if you practice hating yourself, hating me won't be a problem. I wish I had another witness. If you practice not forgiving self, not forgiving me will be easier. If you practice being mean and hard on yourself, you're going to be mean and hard on your neighbor. It just goes that way. Lord help the person who marries a person who has never forgiven themselves. You say, well, I love her. I love him. Yeah, give it a little while. Wait till the honeymoon. Wait till the, moon, the honey runs out of the moon. And you will swear that another person has moved in the house. And you will say something to them and they'll say something to you and say, who said that? Because you have hooked yourself up with a cutie pie that cannot forgive herself. And maybe some of what happened to her in her past, she blamed herself for it. Maybe as a child, because see, children always blame themselves. Are you listening to me? Are you listening to me? When the home breaks up, the child thinks it's something they did that they couldn't keep you together. Are you listening to me? If there's a molestation, often the little girl thinks there's something she did to make Uncle Bobo. Or to make whomever, the neighbor next door or the babysitter, do whatever they did to her. And she will grow up with guilt inside. Unforgiveness. But then there's regret. Can the church say regret? Can you say it again? The biggest thief of your future is regret over your past. And there are too many people under the sound of my voice today. And we'll listen to this message by other sources that will say, if I only hadn't done, if I only had moved, if I only hadn't taken that job, if I only had stayed where I was, if I only had done this, if I only had left that off, you've got to learn to move on from your regrets and understand that God can use your regrets to make you better, not better. Bitter. I wish I had a witness. The truth of the matter is, all of us in here got something to regret. Can I get a witness? All of us in here have had some things to happen, have done some things willfully, disobeyed, just like in the garden, knew it was wrong and didn't care. Or how many of us in this room have ever excused wrong because we said we couldn't help ourselves? Now, if y'all don't get a little more lively, I think I'll just start calling the roll up in here. I'm going to get them to bring me the roll out of the office and in alphabetical order, I'm going to vote you one by one. 
Because I'm here to tell you there are things in my life that I regretted for years until I figured out that God wasn't holding it against me. Then you have a nagging conscience. You know there are times when you talk about guilt, honey, it seems like your conscience just reruns it and 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 reruns it. Now, I like reruns depending on what show it is. I can, I can deal with law and order reruns. My God, nowadays they've got so little programming for television, they one run show all day long. Law and order comes on at 6 a.m. and it don't stop coming on until the next day at 6 a.m. But I don't rerun my mistakes. Have you ever gone back to your hometown or gone back to some place where you did something wrong, drove by a house you used to live in, and then the devil starts rerunning? Your nagging conscience. How do we handle guilt? I'm glad you asked, and I'm about ready to go here in a few minutes. First of all, Psalm 32 and 5. Psalm 32 and 5. I need us to read that together, Psalm 32 and 5. Because in Psalm 32 and 5, we get ministry on, on the, this whole thing about guilt. Psalm 32 and 5. At Psalm 32 and 5, you find this word recorded. Psalm 32 and 5 says, I acknowledge my sin to you. And I did not hide my wickedness. I said, I will confess all my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. If you're going to deal with your guilt, the first thing you got to do is acknowledge it. Can you say acknowledge it? You got to confess it. Can you say confess it? Now when we talk about sin, there is the capital S-I-N. That's the sin of Adam. John the Baptist said when Jesus came, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the capital S-I-N of the world. The sin of the world. So Jesus died on the cross and took away Adam's sin from my life. Which means now I don't have to go to hell. But praise God, not only do I not have to go to hell because of sin, I ain't got to live in hell because of my past sins. Because 1 John 1 and 9, say it with me, if we confess our sins, he is what? Faithful and he is what? Just to what? Forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Now check it out. The word confess comes from the Greek word homologeo, which means to agree with God. When I acknowledge my mistake, I am agreeing with God that I made a mistake. Now here's the difference you need to understand. When an unbeliever sins, that's what unbelievers do. They ain't got to confess. But when a Christian sins, what should we do? Confess. Agree. agree. I agree with you, Lord, that's wrong. I agree with you that that's wrong. Say that with me. What? I agree with you, Lord. What? That is? Come on. I agree with you that that's wrong. Now, what I have in my past, I need to start off by acknowledging to God and confessing to God my transgression. I agree that was wrong. Because check this out, 
Jesus not only died for my sins, he died for my transgressions. What's the difference? A sin is something that I can do by thinking, speaking, or acting. A transgression is something I did knowing I shouldn't have done it. If y'all can't shout right there, you got a shouting problem. See, the truth is the reason why you're guilty is because you knew it was wrong. Ain't nobody guilty over something they didn't know any better. You know what you say? The preacher said that was wrong. Your mama said that was wrong. You say that was wrong. Say, oh, I didn't know. I didn't know. I, I didn't know. Well, you can get forgiveness for that easily, right? Because you know what you say to yourself? Well, the Lord won't hold that against me because I didn't know any better. We ain't going to talk about that list. Let's talk about your other list. Get the roll in the office. I'm going to have to call the roll out here. No, we're talking about when you lied and you knew you was lying. You said, but I don't lie. Then what was that you told that police officer when he pulled you over? You knew you were speeding. I mean, you even had the nerve to have an attitude being wrong. What you stopped me for? What about when you called in to work and there wasn't nothing wrong with you? What about when you ran late for work only because you overslept? But that ain't what you told them. You created an excuse. Transgression. Somebody said transgression. I will confess all my transgressions to the Lord. And you forgave the guilt of my sin. Oh, God, I wish I had a witness. It didn't, just, it didn't say you forgave my sin. You even forgave the guilt of my sin. If we confess, 1 John 1, 9, here it is. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us of all I didn't ask him to do that. I was talking to a person not too long ago, and I said to them, well, how do you pray about it? They said, well, I pray that God forgive me my sins and I name them, and then I pray that God forgive me for my sins known and unknown. I said, what Bible did you find that in? They said, well, I, I've never read the Bible. That, that, that's what they taught me in, in Sunday school. See, we do, we, Lord, help us. We, we add to the word. About Jesus ain't never told you to pray for all known and unknown sin. The Bible said if you confess your sins, that means the one you know, he'll go ahead and wipe not only that out, but the unknown too. Oh, help me, Jesus. See, you ain't got to ask him to do it. It's in the forgiveness package. It's a part of the plan. Once I confess my sin, he not only forgives that, he forgives all. Well, next of all, 
Luke 22, 60 through 63. We won't read it, but please read it later. It's about Peter. You remember Peter in the upper room told Jesus, I'm with you through thick and thin. You need to watch folk when they make your promises. Can I tell you that? Everybody in my life that's ever told me I'm with you no matter what. I looked at my watch then because I knew it wouldn't be long before I wouldn't be able to find them. <laughs> Friends don't brag on how they support one another. They act it out. They do it. They call you when you're down and out. They come by to see you when you're sick. They offer you money when they know you broke. When somebody brags on how much they love you, how much they're going to stand with you, how they're going to be with you no matter what, you won't be able to find them when you need them. Peter said, hey, I'm with you through it all. And the Bible said in verse 60 of Luke 22 that somebody said to Peter, weren't you with him? And for the third time, Peter said, I don't know Jesus. And then the Bible said he turned his head and saw Jesus across the courtyard and their eyes met. Have you ever been talking about somebody and they walked in the room and you didn't know they were in the room? And then you turned and saw them? Come on, I got the wrong crowd here. I mean, you're just gossiping down, going to town. And they're sitting at the next table in the lunchroom, and you didn't even know they were over there. Boy, what do you do when you get caught talking about somebody? Tell you what Peter did. He wept bitterly. Because, listen to me, church, the Bible said after their eyes met, it said he went out and wept bitterly. Repeat after me. I must not only acknowledge my sin. I must be sorry for my sin. Hey, walking around here bragging, talking about how big and bad you are, how awesome you are, you do anything, and you know, can't nobody correct you, no, this and that. That's not the way of the Lord. If you want the Lord to forgive you, you got to be what my father used to call godly sorry. Remember when those old preachers used to preach that? They said repentance means you're godly sorry. You got to let it out. Some of you haven't wept bitterly. You keep trying to justify it. Well, this happened because that happened. Well, you know, it kind of happened this way, happened that way. Well, you know, we were poor. Well, you know, my mama didn't know any better. Well, you know, and we keep trying to find a way to make it right. Acknowledge it and release it with tears. But then Psalm 103.12 says that God removes my sin as far as the east is from the west. Now, I've been trying to figure out how far that is, and I can't come up with a number on it. How far is the east from the west? Is that a matter of distance or direction? Because if it's the east from the west in distance, well, I don't know. I guess that's as big as the world is round, right? But if you talk about the universe, it's not distance, it's direction. Which means the east is always east and the west is always west and the east and the west never meet. Which means when God forgives my sin, he separates me so far from my sin, I will never see it again. It is gone so far until if I turn around and look, I can't see it. I am completely removed from it. I'm completely separated from it. God has made me brand new. 
Then Philippians 3.13, Paul said, forgetting what is behind me. I got to learn to forget it. Everybody say, acknowledge it. Repent from it. Let God remove it. And you forget it. Why do you keep on bringing up stuff God has taken away? Why do you keep referring to it? Why do you keep looking back when God has turned you in another direction? If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, a new creation. One translation says a new species of being. And I'm ready to go home now. Isaiah 43.25. Isaiah 43.25. Let me read it to you. Because we're going home on this. Isaiah 43.25. You got it? Here's what Isaiah 43.25 says about the whole thing when you talk about the forgiveness of God. Isaiah 43.25 says, I, only I am he who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. For whose sake? For your sake? Uh, Y'all ain't with me. It's gonna, that's going to cost you another 45 minutes of me preaching. I can't let you leave till I know you see it. It's a waste of time. Here's what God said. I, only I. Everybody say, I, only I. Yeah, I, only I am he, am he who wipes out your transgressions for my own sake. God wipes out your transgressions for your sake. I got one back there. That's going to add another 10 minutes on to it. We're up to 55 now. Let's go back to it. I, only I. Everybody say, I, only I. I am he who wipes out your transgression for my own sake. So, God wipes it out for your sake. God forgives you for his sake. And I will, check it out, church, remember your sins? No. I will not remember your sins. You keep going to God praying over something. He don't even know what you're talking about. And the Lord has to be thinking, what you keep bringing that up for? Did you do that? Well, I want you to forgive me. He forgave you back in 1982. He forgave you in 2009. You keep bringing it up. Tell my Lord, help me feel. Help me feel better. Help me feel like you forgave me. He said, what are you talking about? Remember when we were in school. It's time to go home now. Remember when we were in school? Now, now uh, this is going to date some of y'all, because some of you won't know what I'm talking about, but some of you will. When I was in school, we had a chalkboard. Now, some of y'all don't know what a chalkboard is, right? Some of y'all, you know what a chalkboard? You ever had a chalkboard in school? Y'all know, everybody here know what a chalkboard is? Boy, those chalkboards would get nasty. Teachers try to write on the chalkboard. Do you remember those chalkboards? You not only had chalk, you had an eraser. Somebody say eraser. 
And the teacher would use the eraser, Sister Day, but after so many days of writing past lessons on the board, there would be a chalk buildup on the board. Now, she would use the eraser My first grade teacher was named Miss Cox. My second grade teacher was named Miss Cook. My third grade teacher was named Miss King. My fourth grade teacher was named Mr. Pollard. My fifth grade teacher was named May Francis Branch. My sixth grade teacher was named Audrey Stepter. Name yours. She'd be writing on the board. And then Pam, she'd take an eraser and erase it. But that eraser never cleared the chalk from the board. It smeared it. Some of y'all using an eraser. But the chalk, the residue of past experience is still on the board. So you know, Alfred, what we used to do to get credit with the teacher and to get on the good side. I used to say, Miss Cook or Miss Cop or Miss King or Mr. Pollard or Miss Branch or Miss Skepter let me wash the board for you and, I, and she said go get a bucket of water and get a wet rag and I get a bucket of water and a wet rag and, and Deacon Jackson rather than erase the board I'd wash the board and I'd get rid of all past lessons, all past lectures, all past class assignments. Let me tell you, God don't use an eraser. He's washed you clean. Whoa, I wish I had a witness. I said, he's washed you clean. He's washed you by the blood of Jesus. He's washed you by his blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. He doesn't wipe he washes he's washed all my sins away do you hear me I'm glad that I serve a God who's washed my soul clean when I look back on yesterday my soul looks back and wondered how I got over cause I can't see no past I can't see my mistakes I can't see my ups and downs I can't see my errors behind me is a clean path you know why it's clean his blood washed oh, 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 oh. sins away if any man be in Christ he's a new creature somebody help me say all things 
Say it again. Old things. Send my old ways. Send my old mistakes. Send my old habits. Send my old errors. All things are passed away. And I All things, I said all things have become new. I take that wet rag, I start at the top and wipe down the classroom chalkboard. Do you hear me? Thank God he starts at the top of your list. He wipes it down. Yes! Thank you, Jesus. Is there anybody here knows he'll set you free? Is there anybody here that loves my Jesus. Is there anybody that loves the Lord? Say yes. If you're free, say yes. If you're free from guilt, say yes. If you're free from regret, say yes. If you're free from all the burden of your past, say yes.